You guys alive this morning? Actually, it's not morning anymore, is it? No? All right, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and while you do that, great news. As you know, we're in the process of uh, starting to look towards building our permanent facility on the 8 freeway, which is amazing. But in order to do that, we need several favorable votes uh, through the next months with the city. And this week we got our first, which was awesome. So I was at City Hall, and, and we had a unanimous vote to begin our process. So what we need is you to keep praying. I was talking to our, our builder, and he said the churches that I've seen actually have this happen, where they build something, especially in the city of San Diego, is churches that pray. So say pray. pray. Let's do it. Say pray. pray. There we go. We need you to pray. So Ephesians 5, verse 1, we're in our blessed series And here we go. It says, be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you'll represent your father as his beloved sons and daughters. I think it's innate in us as humans to imitate different people. And big shoe companies have made a fortune by playing on this desire in young people, right? They, Nike and Adidas, they find the celebrity and depend on that desire to look like someone else and to imitate someone to get you to buy their shoes. Well, this has been in me since I was a kid, this desire, this, this just tendency to imitate people. So it started for me, the first person I tried to imitate was James Bond. And don't let your kids watch James Bond, okay? My my parents didn't know any better at the time, but here's the problem that got me into was as a young child, the first time I ever went snow skiing, I thought I need to ski like James Bond. And so first of all, he never stays on the slope. He always weaves in and out of trees to avoid enemy fire. Then he hits ramps and does like flips and somersaults while he's shooting at people. So I talked my dad, I, I'm very persuasive. I talked my dad at when I was a young child, into taking me up to the very top of the mountain on my second run ever. And instead of just kind of snow plowing gently down, I immediately just flew off the run into the trees and then just disappeared into a tuft of snow upside down. So my dad had to like grab me by my britches and and pull me out, rescue me and my pride. And so I, I learned very quickly, oh, I'm actually not James Bond. Okay, so second person I tried to imitate, you've heard me say this many times, was a real beacon of hope to my generation. His name was Zach Morris in Saved by the Bell. And if you don't know who that is, uh, here he is right now. So this is what I wanted to be in junior high and high school. And, and if you can show that picture of me, you'll see the links I went to to become that. There we are. Uh, bleached my hair blonde. You can see my shirt. Cool one. Um, and, uh, so, but it didn't go well for me doing that because he was always pulling pranks off in school and my pranks, I'd always get caught. So that didn't work too well. Now, my third one, probably most embarrassing was there was a pastor as I became a young adult, this is following Jesus, but as, as I was a young adult starting to preach, there was this pastor that I loved and he had this crazy deep revelation and he didn't share illustrations that like you know, the average person connected with, he just go plunge into these deep, crazy revelations from, from the book of Revelation. And, and so I thought that's how I want to be. So I was doing Kendall Laughlin's wedding, Kendall and Shelley's wedding. And I thought this is the perfect time to talk about the deep judgments of God <laughs> at a wedding. 
And so I just start going off on all these poor, unexpecting wedding attenders. And I look to my right, and Kendall's best friend is like Ghost White. And, and so I'm, think, I'm probably thinking, you know, like, this is really convicting him. And then he starts swaying back and forth, and he passes out and hits the ground. I had preached for so long, okay? Kendall's grandmother comes up to him, and she thanks him. She's like, thank you so much for passing out. If you wouldn't have, I think that pastor would have preached forever. Okay, so I learned that's not the, the best thing. I need to be myself when I speak. But here's the deal. It's, it's innate in us to try to find someone to mimic, to emulate, and to be like them. And I actually want to say that God put that in us because ultimately we're supposed to imitate God. We're supposed to imitate Jesus. Yeah, how do you imitate God? If you look at Jesus, you see the perfect reflection and revelation of God. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. And he goes on to explain in verse 2, how do we do that? And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. My message today is called Blessed to walk in the way of love. Blessed to walk in the way of love. You know, I I think this first 20 verses of chapter 5 is a great counterbalance to the first four chapters of Ephesians because we really highlighted in chapter 2 that the foundation of our faith, that cornerstone, is what we see in Ephesians chapter 2 where it says you're saved by grace through faith, not by any works lest a person could boast. And so we believe at this church, we believe the Bible. And the Bible is very clear that you did nothing to save yourself. And when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sins. And it's merely by us realizing I need a savior and accepting that free gift that he washes us clean. And we ultimately get to go to heaven and spend eternity with him. But He doesn't stop there. Maybe I can compare it this way. You did nothing to be born. Big milestone in a person's life, their birth, right? You did nothing to be conceived. And I'll go no further there. You did nothing to be born, to come out of the womb, right? You weren't like, I'm pulling myself out, right? Awkward. All right. You were just born, right? You were conceived and you were born free gift. You did nothing. However, for a child to learn to walk, no one can do that for them. They, they have to decide, I want to walk, and they have to start using their strength and taking one step after the other until they walk. And that is what the Scripture is talking about, is that, yes, we are saved by grace through faith. Salvation is free. But Paul's saying, but don't stop there. Now walk out your life as a Christ follower. You see, we can sometimes make this mistake and have what we call cheap grace and just think, well, since I'm, I'm saved by the gift of God, it doesn't really matter how I live because it doesn't count against me. Everything's just under grace. And so Paul is talking about this way to live. And he he says this, walk in the way of love. And love, he's going to go ahead and define. 
as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. He's saying love equals sacrifice. Now that is not what I picked up from secular culture growing up. I'm a, a child of the 80s and, and, and was a teen in the 90s. And so we had these love ballads and that's what taught us what love is, right? Like love, oh, you make me feel so good, right? You, you, you give me warm fuzzies. Baby, I get chills when I'm with you. Oh, right? That, that is love. But I need you now more than words can say. It's all these, like, what I need, what makes me feel good. I can't live if living is without you, right? And so we think that's what love is. And, and so Paul is saying, no, love is actually sacrificing, laying down your life. Now, be honest. If you've never heard any of those songs, just wave at me real quick. There you go. I'm a millennials in the house. What's up? Okay, I just got to give a shout out for the non-millennials in here. Okay. Here's um, says a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. What, what we have to understand is the way that we're influenced in the earth, and especially in our culture, is it's all... So many of my actions is just about me. So you just look at advertising on TV. It's, it's eat this food to satisfy this craving. It's wear these clothes to make yourself look good. It's drive this car so that you can feel good about yourself and then buy this insurance to take care of everything you just bought to make yourself feel good, right? I, I was in Southeast Asia this summer. And it got me thinking a lot about offerings, fragrant offerings, because in the morning outside of my hotel room, uh, these people would walk up and bring these food offerings with incense, and you see the smoke burning up, and put it in their Hindu, Hindu temples. And on every corner was a temple, and every morning you'd see people walking up with these sacrifices. And what started rising up in my heart is, oh, that we as believers in Jesus would do for the truth what these precious people are doing for a lie. That, that we would live as sacrifices, pleasing to God. And so let me explain how we do that. It goes on to say, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Paul's saying, Here's a way to live as a fragrant offering. Here's a way to be a sacrifice. Don't just do what you feel like doing. Like it's easy to have obscene talk. It's easy to have coarse jesting. It's easy to just sow to our impure desires. But do you know that it's actually pleasing to God? It's, it's a sacrifice when we live a way that we're, we're holding back ourselves. He says this, verse 5, for of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Okay, so this brings us to a very important question. Because it says no person is going to have any inheritance in the kingdom of God if they're doing these things. So what is that saying? Is that saying you can't go to heaven if you're immoral? I gotcha. Like, no one's saying anything. You're like, 
No, that, that's not what this is saying. Remember, we're saved by grace through faith. This is talking about the inheritance you'll actually have when you get to heaven. This is something that's not talked about enough, but let me, let me proof text this by going to another book of Paul's, and, and it'll help explain. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul's talking about how we build our lives. And he says this, but each one of you should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we said the foundation of our faith is Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones, wood, hay, or or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day, that's speaking of judgment day, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and fire will test the quality of a person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward, an inheritance. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. All right, let me put this picture up. This is something that everyone in the ancient times would have been familiar with, and that's the purification process of a a precious metal like gold or silver. So this is gold flakes, and what they're doing is they're putting it into a fire to burn away the dross. Now what Scripture is saying is that we will stand before Jesus and have a judgment in which the works of our lives will be put to fire, and what will be left is that which is precious, that which honored him. So what Christians don't talk about enough, but it's very clear in the Bible, is there's actually two judgments for believers. The first one is whether we go to heaven or hell. Now, let me just tell you the great news for this room. You don't have to spend your life worrying about, am I going to heaven? You think, well, am I good enough? I don't know if I'm good enough. Let me just tell you, you're not good enough. No one's good enough. I'm not good enough. The only person that's good enough is Jesus. And that's why Jesus died in your place. The scripture says, but God demonstrates his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. The Bible goes on to say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a gift from God. That's judgment number one. But judgment number two is we stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded for what we've done in Jesus' name. Now, this doesn't have to be scary news. This should be great news because Jesus said even a cup of cold water given in my name will not lose its reward. Here's what 2 Corinthians 5 says. It says this, For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This gives me great motivation to say no to sin because every time you, all you do is say no to sin, God says, I'm going to reward you. Let me, let me make this real practical. You're driving down the highway. Okay, men, you, you get this with me. Okay, you're driving down the highway and there is a scantily clad woman uh, selling beer. What? It, it makes no sense, right? But People know sex sells. So they have someone in very little clothing, and you you want to look, right? Because you're, you're human. But you go, no, I will not look up at that sign in Jesus' name. You know what God's saying? I'm pouring out a reward on you. right? And I know that's not just men. Women, I know you look at those things. But maybe women, you're driving on the highway, and there is a sign for the outlet mall. And you say, I will not look. I will not look. 
guys, I know I'm typecasting. I just try to be funny. But God's saying, I am pouring out reward every time you choose to not be greedy, to not be impure, to not be, are you following me? Or, or you're standing and, and you're thinking, does this do any good? You're opening up a door for someone to come into church, but you're doing it to bless the body of Christ. And God says, there is a reward. You're handing someone a, a cup of cold water. You're driving down the freeway and someone cuts you off and you want to just turn and bless them. And instead, you actually bless them. I bless you in Jesus' name. God is saying, reward, reward. Do you understand that there's a reward for how we honor Jesus when we live this world? in this world? It's worth it. It's worth it to, to have the Holy Spirit help restrain our sin and to sow blessing. For you were once in darkness, but now you're in light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that's illuminated becomes light. This is why it said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Okay, what does that mean? The scripture says this, that all creation was subjected to frustration because of sin. That's Romans 8. The scripture says that Satan is actually the prince of the air. He's the ruler of the earth, and we as believers are being given the keys of the kingdom to drive him back. So that's why it says the days are evil. Have you noticed that society and culture just push us into immorality, impurity, lust, greed? You read the news just for a few minutes, and you never end up encouraged. Oh my goodness, this is so good. Now you're like, oh my goodness, the world. What's happening? Why? It's because the enemy is trying to destroy the world. And so Paul is saying, be careful how you live. Make the most of every opportunity to walk in love. So he gives a great example in verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine. Do not get drunk on wine. Very practical illustration. Let me ask you a question. Is wine evil? No. Right? Wine is not evil. What we know from Scripture, from Proverbs, from Ecclesiastes, from Song of Solomon, even John chapter 2, Jesus turned water into wine. Wine can be a blessing. Uh, Paul tells Timothy, drink some wine for his health. It's not that wine is evil, but what is destructive is drinking too much. Drunkenness. Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And then he gives this next awesome part. And this is what I missed in life. He says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, this, this verse is why some commentators say this is one of the most important verses in the New Testament. Because if you just stop it, do not get drunk on wine, then we just get to be a bunch of religious people saying, I'm not going to do that. But as a kid, I'm watching the Corona commercials and it looks so enticing. Like, have you ever seen beer commercials? They look so fun. And I grew up in church, and we were like the frozen chosen, and it was so boring. So I'm like, beer commercials, fun. Church, boring, right? And so we stopped there. It was just like a bunch of rules. Don't do this. Don't do this. But that's why I love the Bible. Just keep reading. Do not be drunk on wine that, live, that, that leads to debauchery, 
Okay, the reason drunkenness is so bad is it inhibits, impairs our judgment. We do all kinds of sin. It can lead to destroying our health. There's so many negatives towards a life of drunkenness. It leads to homelessness and, and despair. But he says, but instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I want to dive deep on this phrase for a moment because it is so powerful. First of all, the, just the word but is Allah in Greek, which means it's a contrast. And so let me read to you what this one commentary says. It's so powerful. In contrast to a state of intoxication with wine, be intoxicated with the Spirit. Drunken people and Spirit-filled people have one thing in common. They are both controlled people. Their lives and their behavior are radically changed by that which fills them. Paul is saying, stop living under the controlling influence of alcohol, but instead be continually living under the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? Like, this is a powerful illustration right here. He's saying, hey, if you're just drinking all this wine, it's going to control you this way. But if you're drinking from the Holy Spirit, he said, hey, we got a, a lot better juice than the world's got, folks. And if you keep drinking from this, it is going to bless your life. It is actually what lets you walk in the way of love. This whole message, I'm talking about walking the way of love. You can't do it unless the Holy Spirit comes in you and fills you and empowers you to do it. The, the word be filled in the Greek is plero, and there's two important things to understand about it. First of all, it's a verb that's an imperative form, which means you must be. God's saying, hey, you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I just tell you, you can't live this Christian life apart from being filled with the Spirit. Because it's all just a struggle of trying to be strong enough in your flesh. And so you're looking at things that your flesh is desiring. And you're like, no, don't do it. That's how trying to be a Christian ends up. But if you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, it gives you strength, and it even starts changing your desires inside. And you actually start wanting to please God, and you start wanting to serve others. And it's your very desire to live a life that honors Him. Are you following me? That's the imperative form. Now, the other thing is it's the progressive form, which means this. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continual. So basically, this scripture says, but be, keep being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, hey, you just need to keep asking for the Holy Spirit. You don't say, you, you know, well, I filled up my car in 1997. I think I'm good. No, you got to go and fill up your car continually if you want to keep it running. And that's what we've got to do. We got to continually ask God, now fill me with the Holy Spirit. But what I love is Paul doesn't just leave us there. Then he's going to give us five points of instruction on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, how to live a Spirit-filled life. So I want you to take notes on these because these are going to help you out. Verse 19 and 20, we're going to end with these two verses. It says this, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are tools for accessing and walking with the Spirit. So I brought a little tool belt. I wish this was my tool belt, but my tool belt is not this hefty. So I brought Brandon's tool belt today. 
I put it on real quick if I can. And uh, I want to show you what using these tools to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit is like. So the first thing he says is speaking with Psalms. Speaking with Psalms. What is this? This is speaking out the Word of God. I was talking with uh, my friend Herb this week. He's been in our church for a couple years. His wife and him have started spending time with God. They're, they, they're newer and just really walking in the faith. And so he says, one of the things that's really changed us is we start dealing with the challenges of life. He goes, every night we read the Bible out loud in our room to go to bed, and it changes the atmosphere. I said, Herb, do you know why that is? It's because the Bible says that faith comes from hearing the Word of God. So when you're speaking out, you're releasing faith in the atmosphere. Do you know that God created the world? How? By speaking. There's power in the spoken word. When you're proclaiming God's word, it's like power. So it's kind of like this, right? I could just kind of push something in, or I could take a staple gun, right? Boom! You know, so fear comes at me. I'm like, no, God didn't give me a spirit of fear. But a power, love, and a sound mind, right? And, and it's like you're just forcing out the Word of God. It's just piercing through the darkness. I encourage you, whatever you're dealing with, find the Scripture that combats it and speak it out. Right? The, the reason I have so many Scriptures in my head is because of the amount of battles I've fought. Use them to fight. Right? It's powerful. All right, so the next thing it says is this. And with hymns. Okay, so what, what we were doing this morning is we were singing hymns. Some of you are like, no, those aren't hymns. Those are new songs. <laughs> can, can I tell you, no matter what church you grew up, you were singing new songs because Jesus, Paul's talking about hymns in like 30 AD, right? So if you're like, well, no, I sing Amazing Grace. That was written in the 1800s. That's a new song compared to what Paul's saying, right? I mean, this is a funny argument. But anyway, praise God we're not dealing with that. But what hymns are is singing songs that are already written. And one of the reasons we do that is because God inhabits the praise of his people. So how do you, how do you access walking in the Spirit? Just walk around singing. I was so impacted when I was in college. I was around my, my mentor, Jimmy Seibert, and, and we were working outside, and he was just singing worship songs. And, and I remember Several years later, he told me, yeah, that year was one of the hardest of my life. I said, man, I thought you were happy as a lark. You're just going around singing. He said, no, I'm singing to survive. Right? Some of us need to take that to heart. You need to sing to survive. Right? You're struggling, just start singing. Start singing. Or so, I kind of like having this belt on right now. <laughs> it's a good place to put my hands right here. Uh, you sing to survive. And so it's like a song. Right? We, we can just feel like there's this glaze around us. Have you ever felt you're like you're just slogging through life? But you start singing, right? God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. Right? And kicking the devil in the teeth. Right? That's awesome. It's a tool. Right? It's a tool that, that just cuts through. Cuts through the despair and the depression and the darkness. Okay, here's, a, here's another one. I love this. And songs in the Spirit. I, I think this has numerous meanings, but one of them, I believe, is that that's using a prayer language. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about speaking and singing and praying in tongues. And so, th to me, this is like the crowbar, right? Sometimes you just get stuck, 
right? Sometimes your door's just stuck and someone has to go. <laughs> and that's what praying in the Spirit, according to Romans 8, it says, with words and utterances that words can't express. And so I just don't know what to pray. And I feel so down. So I just start singing in the Spirit, right? And, and I had a, a, a very theologically minded man uh, rightly asked me this question this week. He says, now, I've heard that some people believe you have to speak in tongues to be saved. Is that true? I said, absolutely not. What a heresy that is. We're saved by grace. The gift of tongues is just a gift that encourages us and builds us up. It's not a badge of honor or some mark that you're saved, but if you got it, use it. It's like a crowbar in your faith. All right, here's one more. Sing and make music from your heart. So, so you're out singing, God, you're so good, God, you're so good. And you just, you're walking around, you look up at the, at the sky, and you're like, man, the sky is so blue. You just start singing, What's up? God, you're so good to create the sky, you know, and, and just, just start singing what's in your heart. Can I just tell you, as a parent, sometimes you walk in on your kids, and they're playing, and they're just singing, right? They're just singing some made-up song. You don't go in and go like, that is so foolish. Slightly off tune. I don't even think that's in the key of C. And plus, like those words didn't make any sense. No, you're like that's so cute. Like my kids, they're just—it's just stuff's coming out of their heart. Can I tell you, God loves for creative things to just come out of your heart. In fact, some of you are wondering. Sometimes, you know, Stephen's up here leading worship, and he starts singing something. You're like, wait, wait, wait that's not on the screen. Like, what's going on? No, it's just because he's singing from his heart, right? And, and let me just tell you, there's power when we express our own unique heart to the Lord. Here's the last one giving thanks to the Lord, giving thanks to the Lord. This, do I have, do I have a hammer? I got a hammer. <laughs> My hammer at home is so small. That's why I have Brandon's tool belt. Look at the size of this hammer, right? But, you know, a hammer is your faithful, standby, go-to tool. And I want to just tell you, to, to walk in that spirit-filled life, always give thanks, I just tell you, it, it's just the, the thing that just lets you pound in, right? It just lets you press in to the Lord. This is what I try to do is every morning, right when I'm waking up, I just try to, try to give thanks. Do you know why? Because I'm human, and humans can wake up, and we wake up, we're already worried, right? Have you ever woken up attacked? It's ridiculous. You're like, I haven't even gotten my feet out of bed, and I'm already worried about the day, Right? You're like, devil, just give me a chance to put my feet on the ground, right? No, and so that's why I have trained myself that the second I'm waking up, I'm like, thank you, God. Thank you for another day. Thank you for saving me. Thank you. I'm not going to hell. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm loved by you. I'm a child of God, and I am actually going to get out of this bed. And because I remember for years when I was in the hospital, I couldn't get up, and I could get out of bed today. This is awesome, right? And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and have some coffee right? That is a, I love coffee, Lord. Thank you for coffee, right? And, and you're just exercising. You, you are using your attitude of gratitude, and it brings the presence of God. I start my FaceTime by telling the Lord 20 things I'm thankful for, and I use my fingers because I'm, I'm not good at counting in my mind. So use your thankfulness. Pound it, press in, and you know what? That launches you into a life led by the Spirit. So I don't want us to just be uh, hearers of the word today. I want us to be doers. So take out your phone. If you have a phone, go ahead and pull it out. You have permission right now. If you're writing, take your pen, your paper. And here's what I want you to do. What 
is the application for you today from this message. We're talking about living a life walking in love. Walking in love, fueled by the Holy Spirit. What did you hear today that you need to put into practice? What's convicting your heart? And while you, while you do that, I'm going to pray for you. Father, I am praying for my dear church family that you'd give us grace to use the tools to walk in a life of love. And Lord, I, even right now, you're convicting some of them of, they might have just heard one of these phrases, coarse jesting or obscene talk or impurity or sexual immorality. Lord, as you're convicting us, God, I pray that you give us strength to walk free from sin. But let us all walk out of here changed and deciding to take a step forward in our relationship with you. Would you just stand up and would you close your eyes as we finish this time? Stephen, come on up. I'm going to try to take this belt off. Sometimes you need a friend to help you walk. And, uh, got it. Can I give this to you? Thank you. Would you just close your eyes with me? Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you want to help us live a blessed life. And, Lord, we believe this book. We believe in the Bible that what you laid out is the best. It's not that you're wanting to ruin our fun. In fact, you want to give us life most abundantly. Oh, God, you're a good God. And I thank you for the Bible because it gives us truths that we can live our life in in a way that is pure and right, not destructive. Thank you, Jesus. If you need to give your life to Jesus today, if you you didn't know coming in here, you're like, I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven. I'm not sure if I have a relationship with God. Just pray this after me. Just ask God to come in your heart. Just pray these simple words. Just say this. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I'm going to follow you forever. And if everyone could just keep their eyes closed for a minute, I just want to pray for you that are saying, today I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm accepting him. I, I'm receiving that free gift of salvation. If that's you, just look up at me real quick. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to point you out, but I'm just going to pray for you. Just look up at me and wave at me. Just say, that's me today. I'm just praying. Thank you so much. Awesome. Who else? Awesome. Who else? Just look up at me real quick. And wave. Thank you. I see you too. Anyone else? Awesome. I see you as well. Thank you, Lord, for all these friends that are giving their life to you today. Lord, I thank you that it's a gift. They're not working their way into heaven. And so you're not counting their sins against them. Now, Lord, fill them with the Holy Spirit. I pray they'd experience your love and know the joy of salvation. And they would know when they die, they'll spend eternity with you forever. Amen. Church, let's give a hand to the Lord for what he's doing. If I could just have some prayer team come forward. Prayer team, if I could have some life group leaders, some um, some training school students come forward. And um, in just a minute, you that were praying with me, I'd love to invite you forward and come to pray with one of these 
friends and they're going to give you a book that helps you understand more about walking with God. Can I have a couple of uh, uh, life group leaders or students come up and stand on this side too? Uh, we also want to pray for you if, if you need healing in your body, if you're if you're having a challenge right now in your life, whether it's a relational challenge or a financial challenge, we want to pray for you as well. Or just you just say, hey, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to walk out this life of faith. You need a team. You need people that will get behind you and support you. This is a loving church that wants to do that. So we're going to sing one last song, and you just come now as you need prayer. If you were giving your life to Jesus, come forward. If you need healing, come forward. Let us have some time, and we're just going to make some some time now. Just feel free to come forward. This is a safe place, safe church. We're going to celebrate with you. We're going to support you. So just come now as we sing this last song.